So the chief fault of the sermon that you're about to hear is that it's probably too earnest. But this is an earnest church, and it has an earnest minister, and occasionally earnest ministers decide that they'd like to be brave and to solve some problems from the pulpit, and that sometimes goes well and sometimes goes very poorly. So I need your help this morning as I preach this sermon. I'm preaching as much to myself as to any of you. We are all in this together, and what I'm lifting up is simply something that I think is in our system and holds us back. It certainly holds me back, and I want us to get beyond it. Now you're intrigued. (laughs) You can also laugh at points in it that it helped too. Give me an amen, you know. So my grandpa and grandma Lyman were strict about manners, and I am grateful to them for that. My siblings and I have all done much better in life because our grandparents insisted that we behave properly. I remember how frustrated I would get as a child when I said, I want some milk only to have grandpa or grandpa, grandma gently say, may I? This may I prompt meant nothing was going to happen until I said, may I please have some milk? Likewise, when I got the milk that I asked for, the next prompt would be, what do you say? Thank you was the only response that would suffice. We children were to say please and thank you for everything, every time, no exceptions. Our grandparents instilled in us that manners were the way to show respect to other people. And I still follow this practice today. I say please and thank you a lot. In fact, manners are one of the tools I have used most to be successful in ministry. Thank you, Grandma and Grandpa. Now, a lot of people either did not have grandparents like mine, or they have forgotten any manners that they were once taught. On a daily basis, I experience a general lack of respectfulness between people in the places where I go. People seem to have forgotten how to say please and forget about many people ever saying thank you. While I expect a certain level of rudeness in the wider world, I am sad to say that I also experience a culture of rudeness here, in church, at First Parish in Concord. While most members of this congregation are consistently kind and gracious, That does not make up for the thoughtlessness of others. Too often I see church members interacting rudely with each other, with church staff, and with newcomers. This lack of manners tells me that there are things we still need to work on here to make ours a truly caring community. Let me give you an example. A few times a week, one of you will march up to me and say, I want you to fill in the blank. 
No good morning, Howard. No, how are you doing today? No, I was wondering if. No, please and no thank you. Just a command or a demand. And if you are approaching the senior minister in this manner, I know that your behavior goes well beyond me. I have heard some of you bark orders at each other, too. And the most dangerous aspect of these interactions is how they make me resentful and mean-spirited in turn. Maybe I'm just a thin-skinned Midwesterner, but our church culture would horrify people in the Midwest. We just don't talk to each other like that there. People's feelings matter. Kindness matters. Aren't you you glad I got to the problem early in the sermon so you wouldn't have to wonder what it was going to be? I think part of what makes it so tempting to forget our manners in Metro West Boston is that we live pretty entitled lives out here. We are busy, we work hard, we sacrifice, we are important. We don't have all day to stand around and ask how someone's Aunt Betty is doing after her knee replacement surgery, thank you very much. We are like New Yorkers, just more suspicious of other people. (laughs) We are super busy and it's hard to get around and everything must be perfect. Kids in sports, aging parents, a huge mortgage, a long commute, too much traffic and too little time and too many demands and horrible weather, and what about the dog? (laughs) No wonder we are rude. No wonder we drive aggressively. I can just feel it build up in me when somebody's going below 40 miles an hour on Route 62. It just, I just wanted them to get out of the way. It's no wonder we wonder to ourselves whether we can afford to spend a couple of hours on a Sunday morning coming to church. Who wants to go and be that cheerful anyway? If we stayed home, we could at least get some laundry done. And this morning, we're all worrying about whether we'll make it or not to that Mother's Day brunch reservation on time. And will the brunch really be worth $50 a plate? How did we get this way? Where will it end? When did I become that person? Where is the younger, kinder, less stressed out me? And how do I get back there? When we live with a sense of entitlement, We forget to recognize the grace in our lives. When we think we have earned what we have, we forget to be thankful for it. When we think we deserve the life we have, we forget that we did not really earn any of it. I know many of us would like to think that we are solely responsible for all that we have, We like to think that we have earned what we have by the sweat of our brow. We like to think that we are smarter than other people or have at least made better choices than they did. 
We see our accumulated abundance, and rather than kneeling down and giving thanks, we give the car a critical eye and wonder if we shouldn't get a newer model soon. In an article in the Christian Century, Martin Copenhaver wrote, We live in a time of extraordinary abundance, but that hasn't led us to greater thankfulness. In fact, another defining characteristic of our age is that we live with an extraordinary sense of entitlement. We have much, and for the most part, we have concluded that we deserve all that we have and probably more. Let me put it another way, he says. Who is tempted to claim that he is a self-made man or she is a self-made woman? Is it the person who has few of the world's goods and has known little of earthly success? Or the person who has been given much, who owns much? On The Simpsons, when Bart is asked to offer thanks at a family meal, he says, Dear God, We bought all this stuff with our own money, so thanks for nothing. (laughs) I don't know if you're following the story about the 30,000 nursing home residents in Louisiana who are about to be put out on the street because of Medicaid cuts. This is really happening. But it's an easy story to skip over because it is happening to poor people in a poor state, far, far away, almost another country, really. The Chicago Sun-Times reports, Louisiana's Department of Health will begin sending nursing home eviction notices Thursday to more than 30,000 residents who could lose Medicaid under the budget passed by the State House of Representatives. The Louisiana Department of Health is beginning the process of notifying all impacted enrollees that some people may lose their Medicaid eligibility, Department of Health spokesman Bob Johannesson said. The goal of the department is to give notice to all affected people as soon as possible in order that they might begin developing their appropriate plans. begin developing their appropriate plans? Medicaid was a perfectly appropriate plan for all of these people. In America, we do not let our elderly poor die on the streets, or do we? Or worse yet, do we simply say to ourselves, thank God we live in Massachusetts where this could never happen to us? Or, I am so glad I have planned well enough to avoid something like this. Or, well, their families should have taken more responsibility for them. We live in an America where 40% of people do not have $400 saved for an emergency. And all of this brings me back to the conversation about entitlement and thankfulness. When my grandpa and grandma Lyman made me say, 
may I please, before getting milk, they were teaching me that I am dependent on other people. I wanted milk, but I had not milked the cow or bottled the milk or carried it to the store or sold it to my grandparents. I had not put it in the refrigerator or supplied the glass from which I would drink it or arranged for the glass to be washed after I was done. The least I could do was say, may I please, in acknowledgement for all the things that I had not done to earn that glass of milk. And the least I could do to show my dependency on others was to say thank you when the glass of milk was placed in front of me. Because the truth is, I have earned almost nothing in my life solely through my own actions. Everything I have came from the combined effort of other people. I had a good childhood because loving parents and grandparents made it so. I got a good public school education because teachers devoted money and time and effort to it. I went to the university because taxpayers contributed to the grants I received. I got my first few paying jobs because I knew people who were already working there. I went to seminary because my home church gave me money and support. I am here in Concord because the entire Unitarian Universalist Association supported the ministerial search process at First Parish in Concord and allowed me to consider being your minister. My ministry would be nothing if not for the efforts of Gary Smith, Jenny Rankin, and Elaine Paris-Luha. I enjoy much in my life that I do not deserve. I have gotten ahead in life less by my own efforts and more by the extraordinary gifts of others. If I am not thankful for those gifts, then I am a miserable, selfish person. Whenever I'm in a committee meeting of any kind here at church, I think to myself, wow, all these people showed up voluntarily. I'm being paid to be here. But here they are, and they're doing it for free. And it, this thought is the very thought that always makes me so grateful for all of you and for our church community. Because I know that the flip side of entitlement is service. The flip side of rudeness is cooperation. The flip side of irritation is patience. And I want to live on that flip side. And I think you do too. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So how do we get there? How do we get there together? We have to practice gratitude until we get better and better and better at it. And yes, we're going to make mistakes. And yes, I'm going to make mistakes. We have to say please and thank you over and over and over and over until it's just a habit because manners will change us for the better. We have to stop pretending that any of us is self-sufficient. 
We have to see how our plight is bound up with the plight of everyone else. We have to actually live our benediction, not just recite it at the end of the service and then go on with life. We have to be kinder to one another here at church. You see, I want to twist Bart Simpson's table grace around. He says, Dear God, we bought all this stuff with our own money, so thanks for nothing. I say, Dear God, yes, thanks for nothing. Thanks for the nothing I contributed to have gained so much in my life. Thanks for the nothing I have done to earn the kindness of others. Thanks for the nothing that living by grace requires of me. I had nothing, I deserved nothing, I earned nothing, and yet look at me. Look at all I have. Thank you. If we do not realize that we live by grace, we are deluded. We live by an unearned, unmerited love that nurtures us and sustains us and gives us life. It is this grace that allows us to forgive each other and ourselves. It is this grace that allows us to care for people we will never meet. It is this grace that compels us to share what we have. When we finally realize the power of this grace in our lives, then we will be grateful. Then we will be free. It is Mother's Day. Give thanks for your mother, whether she did a good job raising you or not. She did the best she could with the tools that she had. By the mere gift of carrying you in her body before you were born, she graced you with life. That grace will be with you all of your days. If nothing else, be grateful for that and share some grace with others. So be it. Amen.